This is the Inspiration Science Podcast, your guiding podcast on evolving your own science in life to holistically strive. We believe there is no general way of living and healing, but your universal way. You succeed the highest when you do you. On this podcast, we'll dive into deep conversations on mental health and aligning purpose to business for enlightening harmony in life. I'm your host, Osin June. Welcome everyone back to the Inspiration Science Podcast. Today on the show is an amazing speaker. Durlap is here with me and I'm so excited to have him. I met him in Nepal just very recently and I got so inspired by everything he's doing. Durlap is a member of the Nepal YAF Council. He's a photo journalist and a diplomat and he's dedicated improving the society, different communities um, through geopolitics and heart-led leadership that he brings in his daily life and what I love the most about him was how bold he is he's really courageous sometimes going against the common rules and the trends to really go deep in the things to bring changes and you know like you just have to hear his stories out like I was so impressed and that only doesn't bring just like he he improves the communal hate corruptions things around governments and obviously there are confidential things that he cannot say However, there are so many lessons he can bring. And today, um, I just want to him bring it on his show as well to speak about geopolitics, his journey, and around diplomacy. So thank you so much for coming to your life. Thank you so much for inviting me, Ozin. And uh, yeah, I'm all set. Let's see. Adios. And it's really, it's really, it's really a good thing to come to, like, you know, to come and speak about some of the things which are not really spoken in circles like uh, like you know i am i should consider myself counter diplomat because <laughs> diplomacy means settling right so uh, i am one of the persons i believe that like you know i have that motto like never settle like we can't settle because things are going wrong so we can't uh, we can't just sit down and you know talk about settling like in boardrooms and stuff without going to the place and doing the action. And I think you are one such person who loves, uh, like, you know, uh, reaching out to people, trying to help them. Uh, I think that's because mostly like you have, uh, like you yourself have your own, like, uh, like have had your own hardships in life. And that's what, you know, like uh, taught you how to connect with people and stuff so yeah i'm honored to come to your podcast and i i love that you actually mentioned the whole things around boardrooms because when people hear the word diplomats they always imagine a typical diplomat is in the boardrooms it's always so formal they're always like in those meetings and so on however when i met you i i was actually so shocked because i was like wow being actually a diplomat is pretty adventurous like you're, you're almost like, not a spy, it might be the wrong word, but you're everything. Like you're a leader, you're a detective, you have to like, you have to be the diplomat in the team, you're negotiating, you're the best communicator, you're doing so many things at the same time. And um, I'm very curious to know, what is that thing that enlightens you the most about your work? Like, what's the thing that really drives you in your work um, every day in your life? Well, um like you know uh if if i was if i was speaking in the diplomatic way it would have been uh since my uh servants like i mean my service resolves around like you know uh, serving the people of my nation 
uh, and helping them out. Uh, that would be my official like work that I do. But uh, me being the love, like other than that, you know, other than all those titles and all, I had say uh, like you know my fair share of uh, like ups and downs in life. Sometimes the downs were as deep as uh, Mariana Trench, which was literally like, you know, uh, like at some points uh, there were like, like there was a point I thought there will be no return. Uh, I have traveled quite to quite a lot, like, uh, like lots of places, places which are not really like uh, touristy, you know, uh, like for my work and for whatever it is, uh, I have uh, had works with, like done works, uh, in Egypt, in Morocco, uh, during the like the entire revolution and stuff. I mean, it's still going. And I myself consider uh, like you know a human rights activist, but not you know sitting around the boardrooms and talking. So I am in one way I would say I'm grateful for having the position as a diplomat because I get that power, I get that authority, like to do the things that I want to do. And uh, on the other hand, there are some protocols which needs to be followed. If I was not, you know, following them, then there would be like actions taken against me because of my undiplomacy, I would say. So I would like be not holding the position anymore. So, you know, it's a fair mix of like, uh, like, you know, as far as I can do, as far as my position will allow me. Uh, well, so, you know, speaking about uh, the ups and downs, uh, uh, I was uh, I was uh, imprisoned in Nepal for all the wrong, like the circumstances and all. And it was really a big national issues with the borders being closed for my release, the prime minister, the, the entire Nepal Youth Council, the National Forum of Photojournalists, of India and Nepal, the embassies and all, they were all fired up. And I became literally like a bone in the neck of the judge. And the judge was like, I mean, if I release you, how do I? So what, what answer do I have? Like, I mean, so, you know, I became like a bone in here. And um, yeah, so, you know, uh, I like if you if you had this podcast, like maybe before ended, like this entire incident, uh, I would have been a lot more egoistic and stuff, I'd be honest with you. But uh, seeing the downs in life, experiencing that thing, you know, sleeping on the floor, getting like that that fair deal of torture, uh, 172 days in isolation and stuff, you know, it taught me a lot in life. Uh, it taught me connecting. Like, you know, when we go really, really, really stoop down to that level, like when we are like, like we don't even have a ray of hope. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we start connecting about the basic things in life. Like, you know, like like for example, I'll be just saying you like even the water I was given while in isolation was very limited. And I was, you know, making sure that I drink every last drop of it. While in my home, I or anywhere in the office, I had this habit, oh whatever what it is. Come on, drink it. I'm throwing bottles and stuff so you know these are very small things which life teaches you so that's why you know i realize there are people who have no one to speak for i mean for me because of my official position or for whatever it is many people spoke for me 
and I received a fair deal of like support and stuff from almost all the parties who were, you know, like, uh, like, like I would say all the government entities of India and Nepal. But there are people who have done nothing, and they are just, you know, in this uh, caught in this cobweb of uh, uh, this. Um, jurisdiction and whatever you call it because you know court cases are lengthy mm -hmm. there are and uh, nepal uh, being a country where uh, if you see the human rights like the report and stuff of the jurisdiction it's mostly on like not on a very i would say right scale of you know of the how could I put this word as like, you know, uh, it's, it's not a, like, I mean, always fair. Like the judgments are not always fair. It mostly, uh, it's uh, unbalanced, like the scales are unbalanced and it's mostly, you know, this side, the fair deal, like the people who get proper judgment are the people who have the power and money. So, you know, uh, my, my, my objective is to not let that happen. As far as I can, again, I say it like I am not, Superman, I don't consider myself one. I uh, received a fair deal of death threats <laughs> from my life, from my work. So yeah, that's that's it. And that's what taught me to connect with people, to help people and to do what I do. Like, you know, to, I mean, that's, I mean, that is what we are here for. And some people forget that. Like we forget to help, like, like the negativity we have flowing in the world right now, uh, if if you see a person lying down on the road, even people uh, don't try to approach that person for giving a glass of water because he or she is thinking that, you know, they might be questioned by the police or the police will take them like for like uh, like to the custody or to the prison and stuff. I mean, that is true. I mean, stuff like that happen. And um, that is also we are trying to change and stuff. But I believe, you know, once everyone starts this helping and all, like, let's say now that's why only 10% people help. So that 10% people help, like I'm helping a person lying down, like, I mean, almost unconscious in the road, helping them with water and stuff. So the police will have 10% like suspect. When 70% of the people are helping, the police would have 70% suspects, which is impossible for a country. Mm -hmm like to hold like the suspect list for, like they can't financially. So they will stop that method of suspecting everyone who is providing help. So, you know, we should change this flow of mindset and stuff, and we should start really like helping people. So that is what the thing like that I'm motivated me to do what I do. Wow, that's, that's very deep. I love your deep drive and how you connected to society back. And I think it's amazing that, you know, from the moment you told me about the story when you were in prison, and obviously for the audience, it raises many questions. How come? How got Durlaf into prison? And like, what's the story? And there's probably a lot of these questions, but as much of you like can share, could you give the audience a little bit context on those things? Because I also heard when I was in conversation with you in Nepal, that you know some of the things are a bit difficult to tackle because as a diplomat there is a certain things that you see the issue the corruption around governments but if you attack it straightforward then you might get in trouble or your people or family might get in trouble and things happen confusions misjudgments you get into prison and all those things so like 
Can you kind of explain to the audience a little bit why this happened or why these things happened to you and how you navigate through those controversial things? Because your work is very confidential and you have to be careful as well. So how do you balance it of being bold enough to just do it, but also protecting yourself enough from, you know, things that can counterattack you? Well, that's a deep question. Yeah, I would like to answer it in parts. But firstly, I would like to, you know, just uh, connect a part of uh, your question, which uh, like, I mean, you said my work is very confidential. I mean, there is con like confidentiality attached to some parts of my work uh, because of government, like I'm in work and uh, let's say for uh, getting some stuff done in the government, you know, but uh, I I feel that I am one of the only diplomats who appears like almost weekly in, in like interviews in the media and stuff. So you know, not so confidential like <laughs> than other diplomats like. Uh, so that is one thing. And yes, absolutely, to provide the audience uh, like a context of what happened and why I was in prison, why is this person in in prison and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I was uh, coming in Nepal the first time. Uh, it was in 2021, November. In the month of November, I was entering Nepal through the land borders uh, because uh, my state from where I belong, my home, uh, it's in Kolkata. So that's the eastern side of India. And uh, our state is West Bengal, which is surrounding the Nepal border. So it's easy. Like I can also take a flight back home from Kathmandu International. I can also travel by land and, you know, me being like a, that, you know, the traveling, the rough kind of a traveler and stuff. I love to, you know, take road, like, you know, take trains and all, you know, like, uh, like to connect with people and stuff. So like, because I'm also like a journalist, so stories are the things that drives me. So, you know, I feel, uh, so that's why I took uh, like the land border. So, uh, I had permission from everyone, like from all the like the dignitaries and stuff, that I was carrying some uh, documents, and uh, some uh, United States uh, dollars, okay, uh, which is printed dummy on it, like it's written dummy, and I was carrying some documents which can easily be found in uh, the like I mean on the internet. It was not something confidential. And the second part of it was that those, everything was attached and stamped uh, by the Nepal, like the consulate general, like the, like, uh, like uh, in my city, like we have the consul general, not the embassy because the embassy is in the capital. So, you know, so he's a, he's a friend of mine. It's, it's, it's none of his fault. Uh, so this is to you, Mr. Eshwar Raj, it's none of your fault, again, I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so uh, his stands and stuff and uh, the custom check, I show that I have this thing. You know, it's it's it, it's for my work and I have the letter which is having that thing, like, I mean, a letter of proof that I'm carrying this thing and I'm allowed to carry that. Fine, the the, the custom, like the land custom, okay, fine, you can go, I'll, I'll go to. When I arrive in the airport, um you know i arrived a little bit late and um, like like i mean for the road like the problems and all in the airport so i was like you know like like putting from one back to the other and stuff and like you know so uh 
I asked uh, the security guy, so which batch should I put, like, I mean, put this envelope in because it's a big envelope. And I was carrying like a handbag, like with the laptop and stuff. And the other one was in luggage. So he said, okay, okay, no problem. You can just ask uh, the security guy. And there is a, like a CCTV in the airport. So that CCTV shows uh, where the person is going, right? So I enter an office and uh, I show, see, I have these things. I cannot open it. But this is the thing I have. I you can call anyone you want. I am this person, so I'm supposed to carry it. So which bag should I put it in? And then he he probably was a junior, like an officer, and he did not knew how to tackle the situation. And he asked me to go to another office. So in the CCTV camera again, it's showing that I'm traveling again from one office to another office. So I showed what I have, which is sealed, like the thing. And then uh, I'm like, okay, fine, you just sit. And suddenly the guy started speaking in Nepali. And that time I did not understand quite a lot of like, you know, terms of Nepali. And then I was like, what is he speaking? Because I'd say like Nepali and Hindi, like Indian, like the official language of India, it's mostly similar. So you understand some terms. So he said, pakrao, pakrao, which means catch him, catch him. And I am sitting in a chair right in front of him and I'm chilling and like, pakrao, I'm like, what is happening? Like, let me wait a second. And then there is an officer who comes. He was supposedly, he was, I would say why I use the term was, he was supposedly an officer uh, with uh, the Nepal police. Mm -hmm. I suppose he was uh, an, an inspector, which is a kind of a senior officer. He, and he, 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 he told me that he has also worked for you and whatever it is, I'll, I'll come to that part a little bit. Uh, like after some time, yeah. uh, so I would mention his name, yeah. Uh, so because I'm this boy, <laughs> his name was uh, well, well. I'm just mentioning the title. His, his title was Temsina. Uh, well, no, I mean, I mentioned the name. It's Gurudev Temsina. Uh, so he was the inspector of the Nepal police, and he told me directly on face. Uh, we'll just uh, do some investigation and we'll see what it is, who are you and stuff. And I am shouting, let me call the embassy, let me call the foreign secretary. You don't have to give me the phone. You keep the phone, put the phone in loudspeaker and just say my name. That's it. I don't want anything else. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. Like, I mean, like, I mean, don't worry. We are just seeing what all um, is the stuff or not. So I'm like, okay, fine. I thought investigation. I have never been in the crossroads of the law and all. Like generally, we are the people we see. Like I mean, we we try to implement the law. Like I have not. Like I mean, we generally fall. Like I mean, don't fall. Uh, like in the crossroads of it. So I'm like, stunned. Okay, fine. I go for investigation. I'm like, what I have to hide. He checks my body, scans my body, checks my bag and everything. He, he doesn't find stuff except some camera equipment and tripod. And I'll mention you why I mentioned this camera equipment and stuff. So he sees through and says that, okay, fine. So I'm uh, signed. I made sign to some document. There were seven police officers surrounding me. They made sign. Uh, they made me sign a document, which uh, I could not read Nepali, but I had to because of the pressure that was developed. And they say, yeah, yeah, don't worry. This is the release letter for you. I'm like, okay, fine. So now, I mean, what about my flight? I missed my flight and you have made me late. So let me start calling people. And he is like, no, you need to rest today in the custody. I'm like, wait a second. 
you're, you're, like you are saying me, I need to rest. I agree. But in the custody, why? Like, I mean, you are saying that I'm signing the release, like the letter, you found everything to be perfect. And then he says, like, I mean, says my friends, no, see, this is the document that you signed and he reads it. I don't understand the first time. He brings in a translator, which was not in the first time. So, you know, it's like this. Uh, and then he reads me out the, like the thing. So we have 41 suspicion of uh, espionage, terrorism, and counterfeit currency. <laughs> and I am, you know, I fall from the sky. I am like, okay, like, you know, I'm still processing. I'm like, okay, that is good. That is, that is like good and all. And I'm like, okay, fine. So when are you bringing me to the court? Because also, like we know how to handle a situation in terms of stress and all. So when are you bringing me to the court? Because I like my initial understanding was that the judge would like <laughs> laugh off the like I mean at the police officer and say that who are you guys? Are you guys I mean kidding? So then I realized according to the Nepal's rule, the police officers will take twenty five days uh, to investigate a case. They prepare the like the report within the first like the twenty four hours of my like like being in there you know and then but then due to some ego issues due to me saying call them you see call call like i mean ask uh search about me in google like i mean whatever like terms i use and so they they for their ego issues they made me they, they made it sure that the report is not submitted until the 25th day so i'm in this custody for the 25 days it's okay. I was like, fine, no problem, no problem. They're doing it. Like, let them do what they do. I appear in front of the judge. The judge doesn't even open the file. His name is uh, the number four justice of uh, the district court of Jhapa. His name is Shankar Bahadur Rai, Justice Shankar Bahadur Rai. He says, oh, Indian. Okay, so uh, you have to go to prison because the case will go under investigation. Uh, we don't release Indians on bail. And then I'm like shocked, like, you know, okay. Like being in, like, I mean, I mean, being in uh, war fields and all, uh, capturing wars and like for journalism in hard situation, that is like, I'm a different in prison. I was like, like, it was like the bombs were dropping. I was like, okay, fine, fine, fine. But I tried to stay calm and stuff. Then there were a series of incidences that happened and all and all. And uh, later on, uh, so, I mean, this was the starting. This was why I was, you know, like taken to the prison in the first case. Uh, later on, they did not show many things that I carried. Uh, they tried to take away, like, I mean, make my passport disappear. I felt their entire motive was to make this person who is speaking disappear. Because he, he is this, uh, because, you know, uh, media and, you know, in these zones and all. So I asked uh, the, like, the government public prosecutor, why did you charge me for this? I mean, I understand you have my, like, I mean, your suspicion on counterfeit currency on on this being an espionage, whatever it is. But why did you charge me for, like, I mean, terrorist? How can both the, like, the things, like, I mean, coincide? Like, no, because you have a lot of, you know, Muslim country visits and all. I'm like, okay. And that's the reason you charge me for amateurism. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, because, I mean, we just, I mean, charge you and later on we'll see, I mean, what uh, has to be done and the judge will be the decider of all the things. And 
this is the thing that I faced. After that, I like it was 172 days uh, in isolation because they considered it as a national security issue. Everyone jumped in to help. Their own government media uh, and Mr. Pradeep Rajonta, who is right now the Nepal's prime minister's press secretary, he's a dear friend of mine. He, uh, they, they went against the government to help me, like, you know, to take me out and all. And everyone was in crossfires and stuff. The judge, the home ministry, and everyone was like, like, you know, like there were some parts of it that I have received from a reporter's friend and all. They were saying, I just pray that his case does not fall in my, like in my court, because like, like, I don't want to deal with this any pressure. The calls I'm getting from it's, it's making me insane. I don't want to deal with this pressure. So, you know, that was the amount of uh, stuff that was uh, put to take me out. But that was, again, as I said, for me being me, if someone else was there and uh, I feel that someone who, who does not have a voice, someone who won't have the authority that the government has imparted onto me, he or she will generally like, I mean, would just, you know, fade out in this life and no one would care. That is how life is. Like, you know, like you see a person die and all. Yes, we remember them. But, you know, after five days, the crying stops and that's it. Like, like that is life. So, I mean, faced it. So, you know, that is how it is. And uh, that was the reason I was inside. Yeah. I think I was too long in this description. Yes, I mean, it was, it's obviously a long story, but I think there's so much context and learnings in the story that you told us as well. And, you know, when you said that you were later in prison and you had to be isolated, there are obviously a lot of learnings and reflections that went through you. And after you came out, you were released. I think there's so many of the things that you later implement in, in your life and as well as have deeper empathy for other people who are in a so to say, really shit situation, you know, when you're judged for something that you haven't done or, you know, they they have the suspicion around you that something is wrong and it's not true. And I do remember our conversation we had that sometimes what happens in those cases is that some people go like even for 10 years, 25 years into prison for something they haven't done. And in other cases, you see like criminals, the true criminals who really did it, they are free roaming around and the court is just too slow in getting them and taking things a bit more seriously. So what were your learnings specifically during this time in prison? And what did you do after? Like, how did your life change after this experience? Mm, okay. Well, now, now you know. Now, again, you know, as for my name goes, the controversial guy, you know, now it will start. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, my learnings in prison was, you know, would be something like, you know, uh, getting to know your roots, not to be like, I mean, and like, like not to have that ego. Because we are all like, I mean, if you just cut, I mean, red is the color that we all see. So, you know, like why to have that ego? And uh, other things is that not to judge people, you know, I, what I felt one thing was that I'm speaking about myself. Yeah. When I see, when I, when, like when I used to hear about prison, I did not make any prison visits, like, like in my entire life, in my entire career of, of thing. But you know, when I was inside, and that time I realized that what I thought, like, you know, my thinking was that inside the prison, 
whoever is inside the prison, he is guilty. He is guilty. The law, the law has like regarded him as guilty. That's it. But that's not the case because I went through the situation. I felt it and I felt bad. I felt hurt. You know, like, uh, oh my gosh, like how are people like, you know, like seeing me, like what am I? Like, I mean, like a prisoner. And and then I realized it's not their fault. Like I did the same. Like, like if I was this outside guy, if I were visiting a prison, like I wouldn't even care to know about what is pre-detention trial, what is detentive trial, what is on trial, what is like, you know, like sentenced, like, of course we know these terms, but I wouldn't care to know who is, who is like, I mean, who in the prison, I wouldn't. And in country like Nepal, like you don't have like pre-detention like facilities, you don't have on-trial facilities. So everyone is in the same prison, like, you know, and uh, that is one thing. The other thing is that uh, I realized is that be yourself, like whatever it is uh, inside the prison, uh, one thing helped me survive was uh, because prison is brutal. I just got the news before this podcast. The prison I was in, there was a dead body found nine days ago. So you know, someone just I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, texted me. You know, so I just I I just went to the YouTube and saw that there was fire, and then I called someone whom I know, and he says me that I wouldn't name this person. Uh, so he told me that uh, yes, there were some things and the uh, authority inside the prison changed. So inside, like in Nepal, what happens is that you don't have the police controlling inside the prison like the activities. There are prisoners of top level sentenced for 25 years, 15 years and all these things. So they, you know, manage the inside security and everything inside the prison. So if they plan to kill someone, that's it. Like they will make sure that 15, 20 people sign a witness list. And if you don't sign a witness list, you're the next one. And that's it. The person is killed because he was trying to run. That's the reason that they show. But we all know that's not true. And uh, so coming to the point, what helped me survive and what helped me not getting in the casualty, because I was really in a lots of crossfires, you know, like very big kind of like, you know, Come on, who is this guy? This guy is five, this guy is terrorist, or whatever it is. I mean, a part of it was like, you know, they were really afraid of me. That you know, like I don't know what what we can do. Like they see all these top-tier government officials visiting and stuff, and also they were really skeptical. So there were times, you know, the entire phone system. So there are so so there's a phone system inside the Nepal prison. So they had to switch it off for two continuous days because the DM, which is the district magistrate of, uh, of Java, said that I am receiving calls from the prime minister's office. Please make sure this guy doesn't get to call. So, you know, something like that. But I developed, I developed relationships. I was genuine. I was myself. I told them very clearly to the heads of the prison. I told them, see, like, I'm giving you my case file. You see, you, you read it. They read it and they give it to, like, I mean, give me back within five days. They said that, I would be honest with you, you know, the, the people inside the prison was like, it felt like, you know, they were so comforting to, like, you know, they tried to, you know, like, help me all and, and in whatever circumstances they can. The police, well, I am, I am like, still now I am like, I mean, working to 
make sure that everyone who is who was uh, part of my case gets punished and i am very assertive about, about mm -hmm. it there is no yes no 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 i will make that sure mm -hmm. but uh, the other thing is that these people they helped me like they helped me like anything they they were you know under the crossfires of authority why are you letting this guy write so they gave me paper pen they helped me write so that is enough like they made they they made the call so there is a line system and i am inside i get out of isolation this entire isolation fiasco i am kept in the general like the word the word like the main uh, guy of the word he he was also the like the sub superior of like i mean so there are three like the posts in like the prison that's the chokidar who is the main guy so he was the sub chokidar who is the second main guy so he he brings me in see this is this this is this you cannot do this we will do whatever we can to support you because we frankly speaking we don't want to deal with people like you it will be a problem and he was honest to me because we fear you a part of us fears what you do and stuff and the people like coming in because we have families out i said you like you don't need to fear me i'm not this person you have read my file like okay fine but we got all these warnings from the police officers and all so this is the thing i will allow you to do whatever you have to do but that is only regarding your case don't do anything as as that's all i need to do and later on i would i'm saying you that guy allowed me to use the phone without even getting in the line i used to call i used to have talks with the embassy of india i used to have talks with the indian foreign secretariat on call from inside the prison and the police couldn't do anything because some of the guys chose to go i think i was a different nationality guy but some of the guys inside the prison i was no one but they chose to help me so i feel that choosing to help is the first step that you you know that you get to helping people it was their choice completely their choice and, and they made and they made it i mean possible and after that i was also you know teaching them english since i am fluent in that and it's not a like a white uh, spread like um, i mean uh, i mean of course they, they are i mean prisoners and all serving the sentences and also yeah, there are very rare circumstances uh, where people uh, would come who is very fluent in english i am not judging anyone but that's the case here so i used to teach them english i used to teach them about you know philosophy and thing i used to teach uh, the the people who are like i mean below a certain age and all uh, like the maths and science i used to read cases of people and the prison guy like the sub chokidar who was my friend inside the prison also outside i would consider uh he helped me so much that i made a deal with him that you have to let me allow to take 15 cases from inside the prison just the five to show to the world what is the jurisdiction of nepal doing to its prisoners and he was so you know because that is a thing that could have like like i mean got him i mean killed but he chose he chose that he would let me to go with it and he did it so i feel that you have to be genuine you have to be authentic you you don't make up stories in tough circumstances you don't do that be authentic to the people because i feel that's what you know see i was i was real with them see i give you my case file 
I came here, I will call. I will if 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 I am if I'm not calling, the embassy people will be coming. It will be a tough situation for all of us. So I will call. So they were like, okay, fine. Like they take some time to process everything, but you know, they're like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. So you know, stepwise, I I earn their trust and I am not doing anything to break it. Like, you know, like there were some some cases which was very unprofessional of the of the CDO or like the magistrate, the, the district like the magistrate, he was the one uh, he tried to stop me from doing a press conference in 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 Kathmandu after like I was supposed to get released after one day. So he came and talked to me, he took me outside and said that yeah I know you are a very like a professional guy and all and I really respect you. But uh, I'll just suggest you not to do any press conferences because it will bring up a lot of names. And see, we are doing like, and we are doing our best. And I had so much trust in the people inside because I had one more day to survive in, right? But I had so much trust to the people, like, I mean, with the people inside that I told him directly on face, see, I don't care. Try whatever you want to. If you have to do something, you, you can only do it inside the prison. If like I am given 15 minutes to spend time with you, if I don't return within that time, the people in inside will start asking questions mm-hmm. because I was the favorite person, you know, any kind of problems, like, you know, a guy used to come up or uh, like a, like a 30 year old guy used to come to me. Uh, hey brother, like I'm having this, like, how should I read it? Like, you know, so, you know, like if I'm going missing for like 15 minutes or like like above that then like they'll start asking them in question where is he so you know so i'm saying i'll do a press conference and do everything in your power to stop me but i i believe you can't so i told him directly on face so this is to say that i have i i had developed the relationships i did not judge too quickly that yeah they may they may have committed a crime that's fine maybe their mental circumstances was not in that level, like, you know, when they were committing and stuff. But, I mean, they are good to me. I see more humanity in them than the police outside. So, why not? Why not? Why not try to change them? Why not, like, try to, you know, like, bring in the, like, the good conscience and the positive thinking inside them? Like, you know, like, uh, just a day before, like, I mean, getting out, I like, in the late night, uh, the main guy of the prison, he comes and he says to me, like, you know, after going and all, like, it was just an accident. I got angry. I killed people. And I feel that after going out, I would not uh, do it. Like, I mean, can you help me establish uh, some business? Like, I don't want financial help, but I want, like, support in connecting and all. I said that, yeah, absolutely. I am all set for help because he has paid the price for his thing. And that's it. Like, we all can go in this crossfire sometimes or the other. So I believe uh, what helped me survive is this positivity, this flow of positivity, gaining trust with people, finding my roots, not having that ego. And one thing which I stress a lot in these days, every day of my life inside the prison was a war. Why I would say you, I was doing my best to survive. It's not that they are putting any pressure to me, but my own energy level so it has something to do about the things I think, the things I say on phone with someone. So, you know, it, like, I mean, it was literally a war for me, like, like it was a war zone. So now I feel when I am not about to help someone, when I am just, you know, 
sitting in a boat room, sitting in a chilled environment, having the AC on, sipping on the coffee and stuff and all. I remember that situation and I immediately, you know, start criticizing myself. So when I was in so much stress, I made sure, like, I made sure I was, like, from inside the prison, I was in every newspapers, every headlines and stuff and all. And when I am outside, for doing something like, you know, like, that was my personal agenda to take me out. Now, for doing something to help people, to take them out, like, while I am outside, which is supposed to be more powerful, I am sipping on this coffee. I'm just chilling by. So, you know, that thing strikes me a lot. Like, that, like I immediately start I'm criticizing myself. Come on, come on. Like, I mean, do it. Come on, help him. So, you know, that drive to help, and that is it. Wow, thank you so much for sharing all of this. It's a, it's a lot to take in. But I mean, yeah. from all the things that you told me, I think it, it roots down to the relationship that you create with others. And you can do that when you're honest with yourself and with the people, even in the toughest situations. So people can actually truly help us when we're also like honest around the things that where we need help. And I also think it's also the power of collaborations. I mean, even as a diplomat or anything beyond titles that you do, um, that you have the people you can trust on, team playing is such a big role as well with different stakeholders. And you also mentioned the power of media, which is a powerful tool to you know highlight different stories, creating communities, and also fighting for our rights um, because many people or government stakeholders sometimes go against that and I think what it also causes with all these corruptions and things is like the division people have hate resentment it causes in anger people are put in fear and that's the wrong way that things can take us whether it's with media that can cause fear in people or the corruption and other misjudgment that can ruin people's life and you know you also addressed a point which is about the communal hate that you also want to improve and what are some of the things that you suggest based on your knowledge to improve like communal hate and to create better communities or peace around the world uh, well I, I i would like to just apologize for one thing you know uh, i was uh, you know recently seen sipping down a coffee and all, uh, just uh, after saying that, you know, I cannot chill and sipping down a coffee, but I believe I'm speaking to you, uh, uh, like about these things so that these reaches out to the, you know, like, you know, people and stuff and they can, uh, like, like, like it can be helpful. So I believe this is also something that I'm doing to help people. That's why, like, you know, I'm not chilling. I'm just, you know, you know myself. And also I'm like a kind of a caffeine, like an addict. And because, like, you know, my schedules are not really so much flexible and stuff. It's almost that even late at 12, I'm receiving calls and also uh, for that, like, you know, this is one thing that I need absolutely. I think a good, coffee, a good coffee can make our day. And the great thing is you also do the body work. You know, you go out there and things so to crush it. So it's okay. Yeah. But I think people got the root because that's something that also like drive me nuts. You know, when I go like to different meetings or when I even went to the UN, you know, like there are an organization, there's like World Health Organization, the UNs and everything. And they, they work towards improving the society 
But as we know, in those, you know, in these organizations, there are people who generally care. And you see the ones in their top one to three percent, they really do the hard work, you know, like they put the dirt in their hand, they go through the things by themselves, and they actually do the work. They actually plant the fucking tree. Sorry, but like, and then you have the ones who just talk about it. We should plant more trees, we should more do that. And there are eight hours in the meeting every single day, and I wonder. When the heck do you have time to actually implement on what you're talking about? Like, you know, and other people are so busy in implementing it, they don't have much time for that. So it's kind of important to have conversations like we do today, the podcast that we do, to take the time to speak. But it's also equally important, do we actually do the work? Like, do you implement it? Do you embody it? And that's, I think, uh, big things that I feel it's important to realize and also as you mentioned to go to such organizations because people say some of the organizations they are fake they're doing really wrong things they're receiving corruption behind it and it's true you know it might be true there are people who who maybe do the wrong things but to know and to filter those people we need good people like you who go in and you have to go really deep to find out so that's, I think, also another point. If you want to be a big change maker, sometimes you got to go inside the dirt. You have to go inside, so to say, the hell area to find out and to filter the right people and to help in those areas while protecting yourself as well. I think that's also very wise um, to do. And again, thank you so much for sharing all of these things. And lastly, I also want to ask you, because you have... Um, sorry? You want to ask? I forgot to, like, I did not answer your question about the communal, like, the peace building. Oh, yes, sure. Go ahead with that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just interrupted the coffee, yeah. Uh, so, communal hate is one of the things that in rise, I mean, that is in rise. Uh, in my country, it is, it is mostly, like, the Muslim population versus the Hindu population, and it's mostly uh, because of uh, getting a seat in the parliament, elections and all, and that is one thing. Uh, I feel uh, like I I am like I am doing some uh, deep research about this uh, like the root cause of this uh, communal hate or whatever uh, like I mean whatever the hate is about and why is the hate so I feel uh, one of the factors of communal uh, like I mean this communal hatred is that uh, because if you look very closely. The people, thus, like the people who are starting this, uh, I mean, these kinds of hates and stuff, like these hate speeches and, you know, like uh, chopping of heads and all, like I'm not referring to any particular religion. It can be someone from the Hindu, someone from Muslim, someone from Christian, anyone. So the people who start this, if you uh, see it, according to data, 63% of those people are uh, mostly belonging from the poorer sections of the society. Mm -hmm. By that, if we do a root cause analysis, which shows us they won't have the power or that encouragement to start that, you know, start that thing. And it's generally communal hate. How does it spread? Is that you will see some incident, maybe a small incident happening. I mean, it's not uh, like a, like small in terms of families which are affected. I'm sorry for saying this. But it's small according to the like uh, the national security and whatever it is. So it's a very small incident. I mean, I mean, I mean, people die and that's a reality. And many people like like get I mean killed and all. But if you see it, 
if you see how the eight is spread, it's a ripple effect. Like, you know, when you put a, like a stone on the water, it ripples out. So how does it happen? Like a normal guy dying in the road accident, you won't see so, you know, big kind of media attention. And after that, you have candle walks and stuff. How does it happen? So the, the philosophy of like the timeline of things is mostly like there's a guy who is a no one who is from a poorer section of a society. Mm -hmm. They are given an incentive to do something. They are given the assurance that the family will be protected or whatever it is. They, and they do it because of the financial crunch. They do it. There are people, there is, I mean, there are not people, there are mechanisms put in place to spread that news all over the world with the government, like, I mean, with the, with the, media assistance and TRB and stuff like they say like media is supposed to be one of the pillars of a democracy but sometimes unfortunately it is not mm -hmm. so it it sides up so you know uh, and they spread it in such a like a ruthless way that within the next day we have people in the in, in all over country marching in calling in strikes and stuff and all of this but I believe one of the like the primary factors is to educate people, is to educate these people who are doing who are doing these who are taking the incentives. I am not blaming them. No, it's uh, I I wouldn't say it's their fault. Like like you know even in even in like all the scriptures of uh, of uh, of our like uh, like I mean of the world in mean, all the scriptures and all the holy books, it's written do whatever you have to like survive yourself mm -hmm. that's that's the primary thing your survival is primary and maybe they do it sometimes just to like survive so i wouldn't blame them but i would blame all of us which is including me since i am officially in the payroll i i mean i would not blame but i would be in the circle of you know who you can point a finger at why are you not doing uh, anything because uh, I feel that we need to go in these places in deep places rather than policy making in boardrooms. We need to teach them, we need to educate them, we need to make them dependable. That is one of the things. When people are dependable, they have their right set of mind. They don't have to think about their financial crisis or whatever. They are thinking in a positive way. They are they are and and they are busy with their work. They, they won't have the time to, you know, think about this and rethinking and all of these things. So you make them dependable. They have their own, like, I mean, flow and their process. When someone approaches them, incentive, I don't need, I already have. I mean, can you do it? I mean, I mean, blackmail, I don't, like, I mean, you can't blackmail me. I am, I am, a, like, I mean, I am, a like, like, I know how to use tech. Like the moment you blackmail me, it will be backlash against you. So, you know, education. We need to pour in these educations in like, we need to have the deep roots like this. So that is one of the things we should do. I feel governments, uh, since it's not possible for governments uh, to, you know, get in all the places of the country. I mean, it must be possible, but you know, some people, in the in the in the districts which are not of interests according to the election poll and all they are not taken care of 
So uh, in these places, we have to start partnering with individuals. We have to start partnering with private organizations, private NGOs and stuff. And we have to spread that education. Do what? I mean, whatever it is, handloom work, cattle, give them funds for you know agriculture, uh, like, I mean, steps to be taken, scientific discoveries to be made and stuff. So when you pour that in, you know, I believe most of it will go. Now, there are some things in this cycle you cannot change. The people of some country, their entire uh, philosophy is based on the scriptures. India is one of them. Nepal is one of them. Uh, half of the Middle East is also one of, I mean, one such target, you know, like where it is primarily based on the scriptures. So there will always be people who try to amend the scriptures, try to take out a meaning and let it spread among people. So that thing to stop that, I believe there must be acts in place where they try, because as far as I know, there are no acts in the governments, uh, like the policies to punish the people who take a wrong meaning out of scriptures. There must be an act. We must help them accountable because this is not a small thing that they're doing. I understand freedom of speech, freedom of not speech. I understand everything. I being a journalist and I being in the crosshairs of the justice and the jurisdiction, I know what it is. But manipulation of, like I mean, of uh, history is not, I mean, does not fall under the category of freedom of speech. So that people should be held punishable. Everyone should come in, the media and everyone should come in, spread that thing out, that if this is the thing that you do, you get punished, you get a harsh punishment in this, this, this order. I think people will just stop doing it because I'll be honest with you, whoever it is, people do not want to go to prison. <laughs> like no one wants to be in prison. No one wants to have a hard life. Like they want to sleep with their family at night. So that is, I feel that should be one of the solution to stop this kind of propaganda and government hate. Well, thank you so much. I think that's so key. I mean, education that you address to raise the awareness and to obviously give the quality also of the right education so people can implement those changes. And another thing is the problem of the problem that it happens, which is, you know, also root cause with the scriptures. And as we talked about this well, I mean, me and Burlaf, we had a conversation in Nepal like until 3 a.m. in the morning. So it was so deep. And we talked about the power of belief, the power of different religion, the power of different cultures and history. And it gets pretty complex that probably would run um, you know, it would be like probably a 10 hours podcast if we dive into that. But to say, you know, the, around the scriptures and things like, do you have an example for the audience how it's meant? Because there are many people, they speak like the good words, the good things, and they spread the right education. I mean, what is today right? I mean, there is only good and evil. There is such things, but people love to twist in their own way. They interpret things wrong, and then they spread that into the media, and everything is so fast, so the wrong information goes around. So do you have any any example of what you mentioned with you know the scriptures that is spread in a way that is not good? 
like uh, I mean, you would want examples uh, where the scriptures has been amended to so to suit certain uh, personal agendas. That's what you want, right? So yes, but yes, like, you mentioned like like histories that are like manipulated and things, so just that people understand that as well. Well, uh, yes, there are. I mean, uh, recently one of the things happened. Uh, that is, uh, like you know, Nep uh, like, like I'm talking about this because it, like I mean, it's a very recent, uh, it's a very like a recent incident. So what happened was that uh, in the in, in the Indian Parliament, uh, they placed a map, and it's a big map, and it shows the cultural like I mean, it's a cultural map, and it shows the entire like India and whatever like its surroundings. So in the in the prehistoric times, it was called Mahabharata. So it was shown. And uh, people in Nepal, there were some uh, mechanisms in working who are anti-Indian, I would say, and who has having an anti-Indian sentiments, and they use that gate for their own communal elections. Like I mean, I mean, I mean for their own like personal agenda, which is mostly elections. I wouldn't, I cannot name them particularly, but uh, considered him to be a very high posted official in the government, a uh, very, very high posted, like we're talking about the top 10 VIPs of the country. So he made that uh, thing in such a way, he twisted that thing and he spread the message among the people that India is not giving the significance to Nepal by showing that Nepal is under India India is uh, India is being aggressive, and you know let's spread that. Like they did not even understand it's a cultural map because there are different types of map: cultural, political, like um, like I mean terrain and everything. Like like it's a entire thing. I mean a geography teacher can be like I've been describing you seventy one different structures of map, and uh, like you can't say like we are talking about prehistoric times. So they they twisted that thing and said that uh, the government of India is showing that Nepal falls under India to the world and let's protest against it. So they spread the like they have their own medias uh, whom they keep filling the pockets up and they spread the message in such a way that yes, like see Nep like India being the aggressor, India is doing this. And that thing spread pretty wild out here. Like it was like, you know, even in public places, uh, many times my friends, my dear friends asked me that, um, why did they do it? And I'm like, and I am like, I'm, I'm providing them with an answer that I am, I'm like, I'm showing them in Google the difference between the culture and political map. But, you know, people in these places and in the entire subcontinent, even in my country, we don't uh, we don't uh, go to the root cause of problems. We just see the problem superficially, and that is what the politicians and that is what the people who are trying to manipulate are using the power of the people to see the problem superficially and not to go inside the root cause. That is how you know they use us. Like that is how they used, and you know they got the hate spread out. Uh, similar, um, like another circumstance uh, happened in my own state uh, with uh, the chief ministers, uh, like I mean, with the like I mean, the major political party of my state, they did the same. 
and they spread a news uh, targeting the like i mean targeting the hindus mm-hmm. and going for the muslim changing the narrative so there was an incident where uh, where a cop according to the news cop had slapped a muslim guy and people were coming to protest like and everything like like i mean, I mean it was like almost a pre riot like a situation but uh, the true reality is that the guy was drunk the guy bit the cop with a bottle of whiskey and to stop it the cop slapped and that is in 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 his in his in defense there are videos of it but that thing is not going viral because the people are using the media and they then start you know the imams which is uh, the muslim communities the people who give the sermons inside the mosques uh, they start you know showing some references where according to them islam is supposed to be the only religion in the world mm-hmm. but i consider myself fairly educated in this realm of uh, the books and all because i have gone through all of them i have taken the time to read through all of them and i don't see any such claim that you know islam being the only like a religion in the world like that is a wrong assumption that is not written in their books and that is a thing that is a statement that they are man like like i mean changing and manipulating and that is a statement they used to manipulate the people that is a state i mean that is a thing that they even used in egypt the in egypt uh, the hatred they have against the jews the hatred they have the semi hatred they have against the christians not as much mm-hmm. against the jews a lot it, it 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 also has to do something with israel but mostly it's you know the communal and stuff so that is what they use so i feel that is a thing like we need to go into the root cause analysis and we need we do not need this you know superficial these problems and all and you know if you see these superficial problems like we were not like this what used to happen is that right now with the advent of social media and ai our attention span has gone from like this to this you know and that's why like i am reading a news in my phone okay this is it okay fine and then i call 10 people oh you see this guy has done this this guy has done this so he is a bad person i have this judgment my friends have this judgment so you know again the ripple effect yeah my friends speak with 10 other friends they have this judgment so you know like we don't go to the root cause i am not i am not checking through all the all the medias i am not i am not asking a local out there what it is what it is not because of my attention span and my like like my work schedule so that is one of the things i feel we need to focus on i love that yeah i love that you mentioned to go deep to the roots i think it's easy and you know psychologically people just tend to judge we assume things what we see on the outside but like taking the time to um ask deeper questions around the circumstances the person and other factors to count them in is very important and critical thinking i think it's a great skill to have and a must skill in today's world the ability to filter really well and i think those 
are also the people who succeed really high in life in their work because when you go deep you do stand out at some point and I think this is where you long term also find solutions and keep innovating for the things um, as well in society because superficially you know like taking another example like in Africa where people don't have water and you give them just like um, some money or you build a fountain it might be a short term solution but long term the water dries out what you're going to do then and then there are other issues around education as well um, and I know you're working on a project as well to, um, to build schools um, in mountain areas for people in rural areas who cannot access school really well in Nepal which is so amazing and that's already a big step to give people the education that we just mentioned in the podcast and I think it's also a great way for any listener if you have an initiative something that you feel is unfair and injustice like speak up live your truth and start with a little project like things that also Durlaf does I think it just starts the momentum as well and you start to attract the right people who have the same passion for that as well in your life and together you can make so many amazing changes so I think if one person can destroy a whole nation I believe one person can also do the opposite which is to save a nation's I mean, if a person can shoot the whole person down and you know you have people who are really psychopathic, why cannot a good psychopath actually change the world? Like, I think you have to be somewhat crazy in doing those changes as well. Um, and, and, and you do whatever it takes. I think that's the thing. You're listening to your calling. So Durlaf, thank you so much for sharing all your insights, your tips, your stories, and so much more. Lastly, to wrap the conversation up, is there a specific motto that you live by, a quote that you really feel inspired by? Uh, the thing that I live by is that I'm, I'm, I'll be a little bit brutal on this, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> like I mean, get, like I mean, get the hell out of, your boardroom and start, you know, like go in the field. Don't don't send in your uh, sub associates or stuff, you know, to do your research work. You know, uh, I believe uh, like like the people who are in certain posts and all, uh, they have got the post due to some level of understanding. If my if the guy who is a little bit lower post than me. If, he had that understanding he would be in the same post as me i'm sorry for being real but this is like i'm in reality so the level of understanding that i would have in a situation which is which i see with my own eyes and the level that i will hear from someone junior to me will be completely different so one thing is that go out change the world and another thing is that i would like to speak is that have you like i mean i mean Yes, I mean, you have to be a change maker. You want to be a change maker. I understand. But then again, you know, if you do not connect with people, if you are not having that authoritative uh, signs from some respective governments that you're supposed to do this work, and if you do not, like, if you're not financially uh, stable or well settled, I would be honest with you, you cannot be the change. Your change will only last for two weeks. So the first priority is that focus on yourself. Focus on what you do. Make your, like, first change yourself, like, if you have to, for the better. And then change the world because you may have great ideas. It's fine. If you don't have the power, the authority, or the, or the finances for it, 
your change will only last for two weeks. It'll be gone. It'll be all silent. So, you know, focusing on yourself in whatever way it is possible. Never stop helping people. Try to see, I mean, we try to see the positive, like the things in everyone and create the impact. Like, I mean, you know, like your small video, like you deciding not to record a video or you deciding to record a video can change a lot of, you know, like, I mean, a lot of uh, international events and international to be events. So I believe uh, that is one of the things. Decide wisely, be yourself, don't have that ego mm -hmm. and just go out and work and see the problems yourself. If possible, try to experience it and then work for it and make sure you are yourself well settled before doing all of that. So that is one, I mean, that is one of the things that I always go by. I mean, there are always people coming, uh, coming to me for something like, I want to do this. I want to create, I want to create a, a three schools that you have done and all. I, I, and I say them very frankly, see, I am not creating schools. I ask people, I have some friends, we collaborate and collaboration is one of the very good things that we have in this world, you know, to collaborate with people because we carry an energy with us. When we have 10 people, we have 10x energy, the same positive energy and that vibration because everything is vibration, the water, the air and everything, that vibration, it can break, like, like it can be a breakthrough history. So, you know, I have people who wants to, like who have these kind of well settled like finances and stuff and they have people who they can talk to to bring in more of that so they are the ones helping mm -hmm. and i i like i mean i mean i directly i mean suggest him please don't do that please don't uh, go to your facebook and write down your thought i want to create 10 schools like i, I want to create three schools uh, and uh, and all and i want to like i mean do it all by myself so don't do it first to find a team no. make and don't do one thing which i find very common in some some circumstances he is making a school or whatever it is and you will find i ask what is the priority is your priority to like i mean to do the to spread the education to make people educated and all they say no it's not uh, that or sometimes you know they just lie and say that yeah it is that but you know uh, like i am also applying for these 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 scholarships so i need to show some like i'm some work and i'm like oh my god you need to show some work and this is what you choose to show to that you are promoting like this education and when your showing is done that's when you will stop supporting that's i mean that is your motive then I'm sorry, I cannot help you. So, you know, things like this, be yourself, be true. Don't ha have that ego, focus on yourself. That's it. I love it. That was so, so powerful to wrap this up as well. And I think it's a very humble, uh, it's a very humble perspective because I think it's overestimated sometimes to just like go and wake up and like, I'm going to change the world. What about checking in with ourselves? How do I feel today? What's my intention for day? 
like and those little things to build one up like spiritually mentally emotionally body wise physically because we also know when we're not good by our health when we don't have the finances which is a tool also to create more impact it's just a hard reality that it's going to be a little bit limited but i'm not saying or i think we both agree like obviously kindness is free um doing little kind acts is free you can help people without having that position of being a mr president however it's also a reality that you do need a certain power as you go up to change whole political systems and to do really big things but it can start with the little things of again taking care of ourselves first and building from there so thank you so much your love for coming on again i'm going to put all the links below so feel free to reach out to him on instagram other social platforms if you have any questions or if you want any perspective on any of your projects and things i think he can give you a lot on that as well and we are so excited to also um, have our next talks i think we have so many different topics um, as well so let me and your love know what are your learnings what were your realizations and what are the things you're going to implement after listening to our podcast most importantly so thank you so much i have one more thing to say in this podcast which is like it it, it may look that i am promoting ozen in whatever thing that she is doing but it is not really a promotion uh, so around uh, 30 minutes uh, prior to this podcast uh, no sorry one and a half hour prior to this podcast i was having a discussion with ozen about the flow and everything so she made a like i like uh, i knew that she was not well due to her uh, personal like i mean her i mean physical problems and the viral like the infections and all uh, and uh, she told me one thing very powerful is that like you know like it's fine like i mean you know like if i talk to people if i'm doing this that is like i mean i mean i would be i would be okay otherwise i do i don't know where i would be so you know in having that i mean she chose to do it i mean her mindset could have been no let me just sleep it off let me ask it tomorrow and that tomorrow never comes so you know she chose that she is having that flow of positivity i mean i mean i know that friction you know is hard like that friction when in the night like in the like i mean when you are sleeping in the morning you are not having the phone you are having it like like a long like away that friction it is hard to like change but once you create that friction and once you flow the positivity inside of you like you know like you don't need medicines like your work your like like if it's true it will be the main positive factor of letting you go and trust me in all the universe all its powers it cannot bend you down if you are true to yourself and if you have that positivity flowing in within you so i am just wishing ozen and wishing everyone who has been in this podcast to do it and go out create a change work on yourself and you know create that friction and let that positivity flow in maybe within some time you won't even need medicines to help you cope with the situations yeah thank you so much for your words and i think it's so true we do have medicine in ourselves through the passion that we do the laugh love everything so thank you so much for spreading this words and we're excited for more changes in the future and for now as well 
Okay, beautiful souls, thank you so much for taking time out of your day life to untangle wisdom and abundance on all levels. If you feel connection to this audio experience, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Your Universal Way, and my personal Instagram, Osinjun, O C-I-N-J-U-N. And always remember, there is no right or wrong way, just your universal way. See you next time.